This is our first session on 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 to 2. I think we'll be here maybe two sessions. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Concerning the coming and concerning our being gathered together to him. So two focuses of this concern that he's addressing. The coming of the Lord and our being gathered to him. We'll come back to that in a minute. We ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken from your mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Not is coming or is near. There's another word for the frequent New Testament statement that the Lord is at hand or the Lord is at the gates or the Lord is near. This is a word that clearly means has already come as distinct from will be coming soon at some time in the future. So somebody has somehow construed Paul's teaching about the day of the Lord in a way that he strongly disapproves of. So, Father, help us to grasp the mistake that's being made, maybe how it could have been made, and what Paul has to say about it so that we don't fall into any similar misleading teaching about the second coming, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Think for a minute about the day of the Lord. That's what he's been talking about in chapter 1, several references to the second coming of Christ called the day of the Lord here. Sometimes people try to distinguish between the day of the Lord, which is a very common term in the Old Testament, and the day of Christ as though they were different things. But let me give you a little summary. You check these out now. I won't take the time to read all the context, but I wanted to gather the information for you so that you could do the work if you wanted to. Here are the terms that we should think. Are there really distinctions between these, or are these all different ways of referring to that great day of the Lord's arrival? The day of the Lord. Here in our text in 1 Thessalonians 5. Day of our Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 1.8. Day of our Lord Jesus, 2 Corinthians 1.14. Day of Jesus Christ, Philippians 1.6. Day of Christ, Philippians 1, uh, that's supposed to be, I believe, 10. <laughs> Sorry about that. And finally, that day, 2 Thessalonians 1, 10, and 2, 3, and so on. So I'm arguing that all of those refer to the same day, the great and decisive day at the end of world history as we know it, in which the Lord appears on the clouds and gathers us to himself and establishes his reign on the earth. So the day of the Lord has already come. Now, how in the world could that be? Now, Paul begins by saying, 
what I'm going to um, ask you to do relates to the coming of the Lord and our being gathered. And then he sums it up here. So I'm going to address the coming of the Lord, our being gathered to him, because some have said that day has already come. And it hasn't. And in what follows, verses 3 following, he's going to give his decisive argument for how they can know it certainly has not come. He's going to argue for why it hasn't come. So let's just focus here for a moment on coming and being gathered. Why did he refer to those two things? Concerning the coming of our Lord and our being gathered. What an interesting thing to say. Well, it's really, really quite obvious when you read 1 Thessalonians, because this is the second letter to the Thessalonians, and he has already written the first letter. And in the first letter, he spoke of the coming in 4.15, and he spoke of the being gathered in 4.17. So let's just look at it and see if you agree. So let's go back to the beginning of this paragraph where he's talking about how to comfort those who have lost loved ones, and he's encouraging them that the loved ones will not miss out on the second coming, but will gather together with those who are living when he comes. So he says, This we declare to you by a word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming, that's the very same parousia word, the Greek word parousia, the coming of the Lord, the same word as right here, in our text, left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep, that is, those who have died. We're not going to be at any advantage by having been left behind over those who have died. Why not? For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ those who have fallen asleep, the dead in Christ, will rise first before there's any ascent to meet the Lord in the air. They will rise. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them. Now that, I believe, is precisely what Paul is talking about when he says, I want to address the coming of the Lord, and as I told you in the first letter about our being gathered together to him. That's happening here. We'll be caught up together with them. We will be gathered together to meet him in the clouds, in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. We together. So, this day of the Lord is broken out as having these components, namely, he will come on the clouds with the trumpet, and the voice of the archangel, and the cry of command, and the dead in Christ will rise, and we who are alive will be gathered together with them to meet him in the air. Now, here's my question. Why would anybody conclude that that has already happened? Well, the way it came about, it appears, is that 
um, a spirit. So don't be quickly shaken from your mind or alarmed either by a spirit. What does that refer to? Well, 1 John says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. So false prophecy was prophesied by Jesus, and so a spirit here would be somebody took a hold of something Paul said, perhaps, and gave it a twist by their prophetic claim that this has already happened. And then the word spread, and then a letter seeming to be from Paul. So somebody either is forging a letter from Paul, or they are claiming in their letter that Paul sanctioned their letter. And Paul is saying, that spirit is wrong, that word is wrong, that letter is wrong. They're all wrong. And he's going to spend all the rest of the chapter saying, why? But what had Paul said that might have opened the door to a distortion like that? And I think here's the, here's the answer. In chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, he said this, Now concerning the times and seasons, brothers, you have no need for anyone to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Aha! So somebody takes a hold of that and says, Oh, it's going to sneak up on us, and it's going to come, and nobody's going to know that it's come. That makes sense to me anyway. Somebody took this and ran with it and got a phony prophetic word from God and turned it into a whole eschatology that the day of the Lord had already come. Here's the problem with that in in the context. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you. In other words, he doesn't mean by thief in the night that believers can't tell when it's come. A thief in the night is the way unbelievers will experience it, and it will not be because it's secret, but because it's sudden and unexpected. But you are not in darkness, believers. That day is not going to surprise you. It will come and you will be thrilled, not like a thief arriving in the sky, but you'll be thrilled because your Lord has come. It won't surprise you like a thief. So that distortion here that it's going to sneak up on the church and happen, and nobody's going to know that it happened, Paul would say is an absolute distortion. Now, next time, what we want to do is ask, okay, if that's what's happened, if some false prophet and somebody preaching and teaching and somebody forging a letter has distorted the teachings of Paul and made them mean what they don't mean, what is Paul counsel? And the answer is he counsels this. And I want to spend a whole session on mind and emotions here and quickness and not shaken. This is huge for how we live our lives in the light of such 
prophetic distortions next time.